Welcome everybody to Unleashing Your Great Work. Today, I'm super excited to welcome Sarah Wells to the podcast. Now, obstacles do not scare Sarah Wells. As an Olympic hurdler in a Pan Am Games silver medalist, Sarah has become an expert in overcoming hurdles, both literally and figuratively. As the founder of the Believe Initiative, Sarah has used her story to help more than 125,000 people in North America to understand the importance of being resilient and the power of believing in yourself. Most recently, you might recognize Sarah from season seven of The Amazing Race Canada, where she finished as the runner-up and was able to use these skills in a whole new kind of way. Welcome to the podcast, Sarah. Thank you. Hello, hello. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here because I feel like often when you meet somebody who has been performing at a really high level for a really long time, you can start to think, oh, that person's just different and uh, she won't feel like I do, like nervous and scared and she's never had a real setback, you know? And I love (laughs) your story, your whole point, your whole like reason for being right now, at least from what I can tell from the internet is to sort of debunk that myth. Absolutely. No, it's, it's so true. Like people will tell me all the time, like, oh, like I run, but like I did the Boston Marathon, but it's nothing like what you've done. No, no. (laughs) And I'm like, look, anything you've ever done where it feels important to you, we've been in the exact same position because it's just like you're, you never lose, like those feelings don't get increasingly more strong with the level you go to because whatever's your highest level at the time is the biggest deal in the moment. And so when I was a high school athlete, it was the same sensation as I had when I was a Olympic level runner standing on that Olympic start line. Like the feeling of butterflies felt exactly the same in both scenarios because when I was a high school athlete, that was the biggest deal. Like, oh my God, I need to win like the state championships. And then, you know, at the Olympics, it was like, oh my God, I need to win my Olympic semifinal. Like, and so it's, there's no, there's really no difference in the sensation. And so I, it has very much been my mission of like, look, like you can achieve the highest level of success, you know, even the Olympic levels. And still feel self-doubt and overwhelmed and uh, nervousness and, um, you know, all the things that come no matter who you are. So you're absolutely right. It is very important to me to help people understand like, no, 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 I am, I am no superhero. I do not drink a lime green beverage that turns me into the Incredible Hulk. Like, (laughs) (laughs) right. You don't? Oh, that was my next question. (laughs) Yeah, right. Where do I get that drink? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So and it, you're on the podcast, Unleashing Your Great Work. And so I'm assuming that this is part of your great work. So I want you to just sort of tell us, like, what is it about this that feels like your great work? Like, what is calling you to do this work? And what work is it? Tell us about it. Yeah. So I help build inspirational leaders in organizations. And what why that's ever even come to be is because when I first got into sport, I set my sights on one day making the Olympics. And I wasn't good at any sports. I got cut from every team in high school. But wow. Wait a minute. Cuts. What? Yeah. Yeah. What do I you know. mean See? you got cut from sports in high school? Every single no team. Sense. In freshman year, I tried out for basketball, volleyball, soccer, field hockey, like freaking badminton. I got- <laughs> wouldn't <laughs> let you play badminton. No, they wouldn't <laughs> let me play badminton. They're like, no, you suck. So <laughs> I sucked at every sport, found track and field. They didn't make cuts. Mm. And I news. Like, great right, news cool. for the country yeah. of Canada. <laughs> um, but of course, as I've had some early success, I set my sights on one day making the Olympic Games and leading into that, 
Olympic year that I had kind of set my sights on, I got a stress fracture in my femur. And so femur is the biggest bone in your body. Stress fracture is a deterioration of that bone from the inside out that leads to a crack. And aye, aye, aye. I sat out for what was supposed to be three months and it ended up turning into nine months. No, oh, no. At that point, I had never touched Olympic standard ever. And so I didn't even have the minimum qualifying time. Now I'm sitting out for nine months, just getting worse. So when I was cleared to run, I had six months to get back to who I was and still improve an entire second. Wow. On that first day back to training, I got the word believe tattooed on my wrist. And I Uh said, when I make the Olympic games, I'm going to put the rings underneath here. Uh And six months later, I blow my own mind and I making the Olympic games and putting the rings underneath that belief. And so my parents, they were very proud and they were like, oh my God, my daughter, like we never thought she would do this. And then she got a tattoo and we were so mad at her, but then it worked (laughs) (laughs) and she made the Olympic games. And so my parents were telling their friends and my parents' friends were like, come tell my kid that. And so I started getting on stages sharing like, hey, I I believed in myself and like, it's not fluffy. Like it's fundamental to your success. Like I saw it work. And then that school recommended me to another school, recommended me to another school, recommended me to another one. And then I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? Like, I, if I'm one and done, like these, I don't know what the result is. Like, do they carry it on? Is there any follow-up? Like, so then I created a few like worksheets that these schools could do after my session. And then we created curriculum around it. And I brought in advisors of teachers and we built it into the ministry of education requirements. And, and then I wow. started getting asked to stand on corporate stages. And now I saw that these principles I was teaching these young people were just as applicable to the corporate audiences with some nuances and changes and different stories to exemplify the points. But now I thought, okay, well, you know, now no longer is it about these students necessarily just trying to believe in themselves to activate their own purpose, but now how do I help people activate their own purpose and potential to motivate the people around them? Because now, you know, you're dealing with managers and um, executives that are looking to inspire their audiences and, or sorry, their, their team members. And for me, I'm being brought on a stage sometimes. It's like, oh, you're the Olympic athlete, the shiny thing. Go inspire our employees. And it's like, you don't need me. Like you have so many amazing people in your organization. And we just need to teach them about like maybe identifying what is their distinguished strengths? How do they work that into their everyday practice? And then how do we teach them how to tell that story so that they can they can say it without feeling like, oh, I'm bragging or I'm being like over the top and like, And if we can show them how to do that, then their teams are going to say like, oh, wow, I I didn't know that about you. Or, oh, you really care about that impact project. Like now I understand a part of your history and why you chose that impact project. And so it makes me deepen my relationship with you. And as soon as we have a stronger connection, I'm going to try to work to understand you a little more when we have conflict. I'm going to work to show up to like there beside you when we have a ton of work on our plate. Like, and you just have all of these additional benefits from deepening a connection between employees but that has to start with working with the individual employee to help them recognize what is inspirational about them and how do they share that story. Okay. So, well, um, I have a question. I have a question. Okay. All right. So it sounds like um, with the students that you were working with, it was about understanding the connection between believing in yourself and the ability to kind of show up in the world in a different way. And then is it a different project with the corporate people that you're working with? Is it more about inspiring others or is the foundation that you built with the students in place with the work you're doing with the corporate companies as well? So it is absolutely very similar. So with the students, it's about believing in yourselves to recognize your own potential and then activating that. 
Okay. And how do you do that? Like, what's the, what's the short version? Are there like steps? Do you have pillars? Are there? Yeah. So they have, they have core lessons they go through. They, they all run, they go through these leadership trainings and they do it as a group, as a chapter. And then they have to apply those lessons through these, these passion projects where they connect a passion they have with a problem they want to solve. And they use their passion to solve that problem. And suddenly they're saying, oh, wow, like I can use my passion for robots to help solve mental health. And they might create a robot that emits certain wavelengths of light that help trigger happy hormone receptors in your brain. And they're like, oh, I can use art to, you know, create, I don't know, environmental change. Like there's all these different projects. They'll connect all these wonky things that seemingly feel different. And then so it's, you know, it's foundational career development. It helps them learn that all their skills can be useful um, and helps them recognize what they're truly capable of. So that's the use side. From the employee standpoint, we also do things that we call impact projects in the corporate sense. But now, rather than connecting passion with a problem they want to solve, now instead, we have them recognize what is their distinguished strengths. And then we say, okay, well, if you know that that's your distinguished strengths, well, your company has, whether it's employee resource groups, or they have a purpose or a mission, or maybe they have um, you know, a, a mandate of like who they want to inspire. And so they would take their distinguished strengths, build it into a story, and either do an impact project related to an employee resource group, or they might do, they might reflect on a past program or project or whether in their everyday job or externally and craft that into the story. And then they showcase that to their other employees and and, uh, people on their team in order to have that deepened connection and then inspire that broader sense of like inspiration without the within the organization. Okay. All right. So it sounds like the the sort of common thread or the like golden thread through it is like strengths-based kind of self-reflection, right? Like who are you youth person? Like who are you? What are your strengths? What are you interested in? How can you connect those things? And then at the corporate level, you already have a lot of strengths. You're already at a high level. Like what are those strengths? How can you inspire other people? which really is very closely connected to the concept of great work, right? It's like, what's calling you from the inside that Mm -hmm. you've been ignoring or you haven't explored. So it really sounds like you've built a curriculum to help at least the youth and possibly also these corporate leaders to really tap into their own great work, to tap into their passion, to be able to bring that more fully into their like lives more generally. Does that sound right? Yeah, no, certainly. And, and, and the word passion, every single time people get really caught up on the word passion, they're like, yeah, but I'm not passionate about anything. You know, like I'm not passionate about this thing. So like, sometimes I, I steer clear for like, we don't activate your passion. We help you identify that sometimes we don't feel like we are a strong enough leader. And I'm specifically speaking to the corporate side right now. We don't feel like we're a strong enough leader or that we don't know. We, we feel like we need to be everything to everyone. And we think, well, the, the leader that I really admire does X, Y, and Z. I'm not good at that. So I need to get all those things. Because if I'm not the, that leader who I'm inspired by, then I'm not inspirational. And it's like, no, 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 no. The reason why someone finds you inspirational is different than why they find that person inspirational and different why they would find you inspirational or me inspirational. And so what we need to recognize is, and there's a whole study around this that I, I speak to that they basically interviewed a bunch of different people, looked at different inspirational character traits, and then said, why do you find these people inspirational? And what they found was of these 33 inspirational leadership traits, no one trait was more inspiring than another. It was simply about if you had, if you had at least even just one of these, you had twice the chance of being seen as inspiring by your colleagues. 
if you had four of these 33 distinguished strengths, you had a 90% chance of being deemed inspiring by your colleagues. Just four. So you don't need out of 33. Yeah. You could be mostly uninspired. You could be mostly uninspired (laughs) and, and you would still be seen as inspiring. And so it's, it's about helping people recognize what is inspirational about them, then leaning into those strengths and then weaving those strengths into everything that they do in daily practice and in the story that they're sharing in order to recognize that like they are that, they are that inspirational person. They are inspiring. Fascinating. So what is it about this sort of like, you've pointed out a few times, both with the kids and the adults, like this notion that like, you like nobody has to be perfect nobody has to be like everything to everyone does that resonate with your own personal story because you seem very passionate about it as a concept (laughs) like did you struggle with that were you was that something that you had to overcome or or had a big lesson around yeah I mean I think uh, certainly I am very much a pursuit of excellence individual where I'm like, yeah, but like, what else can I do? And how more can I, do? <laughs> what other things can I add to my resume and plate and be known as this and this. And so, um, certainly that is something I struggle with even to this day, as I'm teaching this stuff, I'm still, so not sitting in the audience as much as I am on the stage. Sharing. I know. We always but, teach what we need to learn. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, I do feel very strongly about that. I also feel like the, the essence of what I teach you, like though the, the practical side is about, okay, recognize what your distinguished strengths are, connect your passion to the problem you want to solve student. Um, but at the core of all of that, the first step is that you have to genuinely believe in yourself. Like that is the core of it. And I think, how do you do that? Let me just, cause I feel like, yes. you know, of all the people in the world, like you've thought about it enough, like <laughs> that's hard to do. People really struggle with self-doubt and worry and whatever. And how, how do you yes. help people genuinely believe in themselves? Cause you could just solve all the problems of the world right now. Do it. <laughs> so there are three C's that I speak to, and I've created this kind of method that I used unknowingly in ah. those nine months when I was sitting out for that stress fracture before I made the Olympics. And it really came out of like multiple conversations with my coach and my physiotherapist of like, how are we going to get through this? And at first it was just three months. And then obviously every single month we got told another month, another month. Oh my gosh. And so it's so easy in those moments when an obstacle arises that we just like throw our hands up in the air, say, absolutely no, this is not possible. And so that's when we need to believe in ourselves the most. See the like finish line, hold on to the light of whatever it is that we still, if you, if, you know, there might be a change in like your desires and you like, I actually just don't want this anymore. And that's right. okay. That's a totally Maybe, different thing. Yeah, exactly. That's a totally different experience. But if you're like, I still want this thing, but I'm scared it's not going to work out. So I'm just going to like, let it go. And, and just like, I don't think I can get it. Like not me. Then this is when you need to use this technique, which is the three C's. And the first C is that you have to be consistent and not just be consistent, but that sometimes when an obstacle rise, we start to lose faith in ourselves or what we're capable of. Then we start thinking about what is, how far away are we from the goal? And, oh my God, if I have to do this, then I'm sitting out this long, which means that now I have this new circumstance. That means I have to overcome this thing. And we start like, like we see the finish line and just, it just grows further and further and further away from us. And so instead of focusing on, okay, well, how much closer did I get? How much further do I have to go? And blah, 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 blah. Instead, the only thing we measure ourselves on when an obstacle arises and we stop believing belief in ourselves is, did I show up for that goal today? And sometimes showing up for that goal is going to look like 
putting in an extra hard workout in my case and being like, okay, I did it. And I did some cross training and I kept my heart rate up really high. And I'm still working towards this, like physiologically, sometimes showing up for that goal is going to be showing up for the workout, realizing that like mentally, I just can't handle it. And going to talk to my physiotherapist of like, how are we going to overcome this tomorrow? How are we going to do whatever? But I showed up for the goal that day and I'm chipping away and I'm chiseling over time. And the more we can do that, the more we can create some momentum and that's going to allow us to keep faith in ourselves, keep that self-belief, like not every day, but it's certainly going to help keep us on the track until we find the day where we believe in ourselves again. Ah, so I love that. I want to, before you get on, is the next, are you on the next C? Cause I want to ask the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. The okay. So I love that. And one of the things that I think I love about that, especially in a situation where you are kind of hobbled the way that you were, maybe that's not the right word, but given (laughs) circumstances, um, but like, you can't really go any further. Like what you can do is maintain status quo, or you can build your mindset or like you, you can't do the thing that you want to do for any, because that happens to a lot of us for a lot of reasons. And I love the idea of showing up just to show up for the goal. And the mm-hmm. thing that I think it gives you is a feeling of ha- of being done. Because one of the things that like we all struggle with is it's like, we're never, ever, ever, ever done when mm-hmm. you're working towards great work or like, you know, you could run further, you could do more crunches or you could, I don't know, whatever it is. Like I could yeah. write another blog post. I could write another Probably. book. I could reach out to another podcast or whatever. But like, if I show up for the goal and I allow that to be me presenting consistently for my goal. I also get to be done. And I think that's a really powerful moment mm. too. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it allows you to yeah have a, have a sensation of staying connected to the goals while yeah. like, you're being done. But that like, when you can't do the thing that just you just really done for today, to do, I mean, not done. Yeah. For no, no, no. I know. Totally. Um, yeah. But I love that idea of like having, maintaining the connection, like keeping yeah. the, the yeah. energetic connection alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second C is around when you're losing self-belief, you're you're feeling like you want to throw your hands up in the way and walk away is remembering that you have a choice because when obstacles arise and we, we can feel like it's happening to us and we can feel like our hands are tied. And then we're like, well, why would I even keep going? Why would I even chisel away this goal? Why would I even be consistent? There's nothing I can do. Like this is out of my control. Like, and so we convince ourselves there's nothing in our control and we lose faith. Like why keep going? And right. so instead catastrophizing. Of like, yeah. Instead of feeling like our hands are tied, we don't have a choice, reminding ourselves that we always have a choice in the mindset we adopt when facing our next challenge. And so when we do that, we rec- we start to look for the things that are in our control. And so in my case, it was when I was on the sidelines being like, okay, sure, I can't run, but I can go to the gym and work on my core and do all of my strength exercises from the torso up. And when I get back to training, I'm going to have a little bit more power because my arms are going to be a bit stronger. I'm going to be a better hurdler because I have better core. I'm going to be able to do all these things that are going to actually keep me in an advanced, like advancing stage rather than feeling like I'm just getting further and further away. And when we can remember we have that choice, then we can ultimately like bring ourselves back on track again, finding that momentum to keep us when we see progress that keeps us motivated. That keeps us inspired to believe in ourselves. And so we need to remember that we have a choice and focusing in on the things that we can control. And then the third and final thing is to catalog our wins. And this is incredibly important. And there's tons of research and stuff around journal, like journaling and gratitude and those things. Um, 
And for me, what it looked like was really about cataloging kind of like, okay, what did I work on today? And what was my workout and how, how did I feel? And what did, you know, what, what steps forward did we take? And that's what it looked like in the athletic sense. But I still kind of do this in my, my business now, because sometimes we can have a bad day or a bad week. And we're like, oh my God, like, why am I still doing this? This is so stupid. This business is a failure. I'm never going to work again. Like people are never going to hire <laughs> me. People are like, what am I doing out here? And if we have a bad week, it can, it, you can suddenly start looking for the things that why it's not possible even yeah. more than like, your brain already does, you know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and so instead, if we can catalog our wins, then we have tangible evidence of how we've moved forward over the last few months, over the last year, over the whatever. And so on those bad days, when we start to lose hope in ourselves, we start to lose belief in ourselves, going back to that log and saying, okay, has it been a bad week? Yeah, it's been a pretty shit week. <laughs> but has it been a bad month? No, look at how far it has been a bad year. Hell no. Like you wrote a book in the last year, you know, like I mean, you can say, you can <laughs> say, you. <laughs> you know, even on your worst of days, you can be like, no, I've moved the needle forward a lot in what I want to accomplish. And it's so much better than just trying to positive self-talk your way out of those moments, because otherwise it just feels like you're trying to make yourself feel better. You know, like you feel right. like, you're like your nice grandma is being nice to you and just telling you like, no, you got this. And you're right. like, I don't got this. I don't right. got this. <laughs> right. And so if you can look back in those things, then you're not just trying to make yourself feel better. You have evidence. And so those three C's is how I believe you foster self-belief. You, you stay consistent on that goal. You remember you have a choice and you catalog those wins. Nice. Love it. So that's great. So it sounds like, first of all, very helpful to think about it like that. I like how active it is, right? It's not just mm-hmm. like all in your mind. It's like you get to go do things and then remember that you did them. It's like, I think it's a really good sort of recursive model for building. Yeah. So nice job. So you spend your time sort of uh, presenting and, and training and companies and things like that. And I'm curious, like you've been at this, if I'm not mistaken, the pandemic makes my brain like there's like some kind of time warp aspect. Yeah, to it. I yeah, feel like totally. you've been maybe like five years you've had this believe initiative. Does that sound yeah. right? exactly yeah. right oh good my brain is not made of cheese um, <laughs> great job internet yeah yeah <laughs> so then what what is the what is the greatest joy that you personally get from doing this work so uh I shared the story of how I made the Olympics the first time when I overcame the injury you know believed in myself great made the Olympics yeah Three years later great made the Olympics yes yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You know how it is that day when you then we moved on. Yeah. And then um, but I, I kept training and uh leading into the next Olympics, which is the Rio Olympics, I had just come off winning a silver medal at the Pan American Games where I only lost to the number one ranked girl in the world. And so heading into Rio, I was a medal hopeful. And that was exciting. I launched a clothing line with TGX Canada. I was on billboards all across the country. I was doing media appearances everywhere. I had shoe contracts with, you know, Nike, and it was exciting, really, really exciting. And then Eight weeks before the no, I know, right? I know where this is going. (laughs) And I end up having a workout on a Tuesday. I run so fast Tuesday. Everything is coming together. The plan is perfect. Wednesday, I wake up. I consider not working out because my hamstrings were super tight, which makes sense. My body was adapting from going the fastest it had ever gone the day before. And when I consider not working out, I'm like, well, no, if I don't work out, I won't be doing everything I can. If I don't do everything I can, I won't win a medal. If I don't win a medal, I'm going to let everyone down. So I work out anyways. And in that workout, I end up hearing as I'm charging down the track, just this pop and my hamstring explodes. 
No, your hamstring is not supposed to explode. Yeah, right, right. That (laughs) works, I don't think. Um, And so my hamstring explodes. I'm face planting on the floor, bawling my eyes out because I know it's so bad. And I only have eight weeks before the next Olympic trials. So I do everything I can to rehab back. In the end, I'm like 90% healed. I get on the start line anyways. I'm like, screw it. Last time I believed in myself, it all worked out. I had been a four-time national champion. I was top 10 in the world at the time. I was like, I just need to finish on the podium at Olympic trials, go to the Olympics. I'll have more time to heal between now and the Olympics. So I'll be fine. I just need to get top three. And as a four-time champion, I had some wiggle room. I go for it. I give the race everything I absolutely have. I end up getting fourth and I miss qualifying <gasps> by 0.38 of a second. No. Devastatingly. And yeah. after that moment, you know, there's this whole part I share in my keynote about laying in the driveway of the house, the Airbnb we were staying at. We left the track. We pull into the driveway. I just crumble. I can't, I can't go into the house because going into the house to me was meant that this was over. Like I pictured coming into this house as an Olympic like my two-time Olympian status, you know? And now Sarah Wells, the Olympian for four years, Sarah Wells, the Olympian doesn't make the Olympics. So I lay in the driveway. I quit sport in that moment. I quit it for a year and I was heartbroken because I felt like no one would like me anymore. If my, my, were my friends only my friends because I had this status because I was going to go to the Olympic because I had these media appearances. And if so, I was about to lose all them. And I was fortunate to get on stages and share my first story of making the Olympics. But now that I didn't, would I never get a speaking engagement ever again? And so I thought everything was about to flip upside down and I just crumbled as an individual. And in that year, it was so hard. It was so tough to pick myself back up. But what ended up happening was suddenly I got invited to do a speaking engagement. They were like, tell us, tell us what happened about that, how you didn't qualify. And I was like, oh, you, you want to hear, you, you want that story? And suddenly sharing my story was inspiring these other people. Like far more people would come up to me after the fact and say they were more inspired by the time where I didn't make the Olympics over the time where I did. And then in doing this work more and more, I suddenly realized that it was so, uh, I don't know, like it, it was it was inspiring for people. It was It was resonating with people. It was motivating for people for me to talk about how I did not make the Olympics. And though it was helping them and that was great news, it was also so healing for me to be able to recognize and find significance in the obstacles that I had faced in that it was actually now going to be the reason I found, you know, my business. And it ended up actually being this incredible, I don't know, bridge and milestone in my journey in not making the Olympics. And so why I do this work now, honestly, is because Yes, it's inspiring for others, but it's also so healing and purposeful for me. It sounds like the moment you described for the leaders, right? Like it, this, it, you are replicating for them the moment that you had putting yourself back together and realizing I don't have to be an active Olympian who's going to cross, mm-hmm. the, you know, like I am inspiring. I might only have four of the 33 yeah, like, right. I still want to hear my story. Like I'm good enough with the inspiration that I'm bringing to it really sounds very similar to the way that you described the process that they get to go through. Yeah. And, and a big part of that is recognizing that hard work isn't always going to lead to success. And you can pour your heart and soul into something, to a project you're working on in the office, to, you know, a title you're trying to get, a salary you're hoping to get to, like all of that is motivating for sure. And I'm, I'm attracted to gold medals as well. You know, like it's not like you can't, you can't be drawn or motivated by these external things, 
but recognizing that even though hard work won't always lead to success, there's another definition of success, which is action about like being proud of the actions you took. And so hard work won't always lead to success, but being resilient will always lead to another opportunity for success. That's where a nice little soundbite. It is. It's a, it's, it's my closing keynote slide for every single Yeah. (laughs) Say it Uh, again. So we can make sure that we have it right. Oh, Sure. <laughs> it's hard work won't always lead to success, but being resilient will always lead to another opportunity for success. Love it. Yes. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a very important message because I think we are all so, I mean, of course, if you, if you have crumpled on the driveway of your Airbnb, like you, you yeah. need a minute, <laughs> you don't have to pop right back up and be like, I'm ready to go again. Yeah. But, no, you don't you know. But to I have always that process. joke that huh? it's like probably not what you expected your motivational speaker to say, like crumble the floor <laughs> and then quit whatever you're doing. You know, <laughs> that <laughs> here's the answer to success, everyone. But it's like, we're all human. We're all going to have those moments. And it's really about, okay, put space between you and that moment. Take the time you need to mourn the loss of the goal to cry and be angry and go through that whole process. But then remind yourself to get back up because incredible things will come out of the springboard that was that low point. And I've seen it in my own journey. And and I'm sure we've all heard countless stories of people that thought they hit rock bottom. And then on the other side of that rock bottom was like some a fulfillment level that they never thought possible. And, and that's where I feel so fortunate to have had the support that I did to get up, back up and back up to the other side. Wow. That's great. I love it. Well, I think that I'm guessing that people who are listening to this podcast episode are probably like, I want to hear and learn more and more. So how can they get, how can they learn more about the Believe Institute? How can they learn more about you? If they want to book you to speak or have you come into their company, like what can they do? Yeah. So you can find me at sarahwells.ca. Sarah is spelled with an H. So S-A-R-A-H-W-E-L-L-S dot C-A. If you go to .com, you will find um, breast pump bags. Which are not <laughs> really? Yeah, it's hilarious. I was like, damn, my common name. Uh, <laughs> so sarahwells.ca. And there's all of my speaking and leadership development programs listed on there. Uh, and if you are interested in the youth-facing program, it's believeinitiative.com. And so you can always find out that. But uh, I'd be delighted to hear from people on social media. I'm sarahwells400mh, which is like... 400 meter hurdles big regrets on that social handle it's very long (laughs) um but yeah feel free to reach out and I'd love to explore kind of ways to work with people to help live out my purpose which is to help build inspirational leaders and help people recognize that in themselves so I'd be delighted great thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it thanks Amanda thanks for listening today to unleashing your great work if you liked what you heard please subscribe and leave a five-star review and make sure you check out my book. Great work. Do what matters most without sacrificing everything else. It's available everywhere you get books. See you next time on unleashing your great work.